0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson.
3: Well, not quite Sean Thompson. Welcome, everybody, to the Liberty Hour. This is Charles Love sitting in through the election. And... um, I want to start up here. As you know, if you listen, I spend a lot of time talking about BLM. And it's because my overarching approach is that we're losing the culture. And there's no one else who's having a bigger impact on the culture negatively than those uh, wonderful BLM people. So I talk about it a lot and I write about it and uh, try to find new and interesting ways to approach uh, what they're doing, what they believe, and what's going on. And so I read everyone else out there if they have something interesting to say. And I came upon this article in Town Hall that was entitled, BLM's Intentions Sound All Too Familiar. And I said, okay, that sounds interesting. Uh, There must be a different angle here. And so as I read it, it is... uh, a story about some terrible and evil things that happened in the past by some bad people who also claim to be marxists, and through telling the story, he tells the story and then ties it back at the end to what b l m believes and what they 're doing now, and some connections and I thought I need to uh have this guy on so he can tell everyone this story and that's why we have our first guest here. He is Joe Connor. He has testified before the Senate Subcommittee on Foreign Relations and the Senate Judiciary Committee during Eric Holder's confirmation hearing. Uh, it still went through them. His articles have been published in The Wall Street Journal, New York Post, and many others. He's appeared on TV and radio with Megan Kelly, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Mark Levin, and Glenn Beck. He currently writes at WeWinAmerica.com and contributes at Town Hall Breitbart, and Red State. Joe, welcome to the Liberty Hour.
4: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Charles.
3: So, I have you here. I invited you on. I want you to stay for two segments to give some time to kind of explain the story and and so take your time. Don't go right into the, the goods yet. I want them to understand why you're here and why you constantly write about this type of thing. So, tell the listeners what happened to your father in 1975.
4: Sure. Uh, my father was a 33-year-old banker. His name was Frank Connor. Um, he was a first-generation American, really living the American dream. And he went to lunch with clients at Francis Tavern, which is downtown New York. It's where George Washington bade farewell to his officers after the Revolutionary War. And he sat down on a Friday afternoon to have lunch with some clients. It was going to—it was—we were going to be celebrating my ninth and my brother's eleventh birthday that night. And a uh, man walked a package in and set it behind a uh, the table where he was sitting, and within minutes it uh, detonated, um, and it murdered my father instantly, and three other men uh, wounded 60 or more. Um, it was a colossal, huge bomb that shook the whole financial district in, in New York, and uh, it was proudly taken responsibility for by a group called the FALN, the Armed Forces for National Liberation, a Puerto Rican Marxist group who claimed to be um, attacking reactionary corporate executives um, and, uh, and that we were in a war against uh, this Marxist organization. Uh, so our lives were shattered just out of the blue. I mean, I, it was going to be on my ninth birthday party that night, Um, With him, I had turned nine on January 20th, and this is January 24th, and uh, our lives had been disrupted and destroyed. Um, And uh, that's what happened that day, and an awful lot has transpired since, which um, we'll get into.
3: I'm sure. Um, I know for some people this is uh, new information, so give them a little uh, information on F-A-L-N.
4: Sure. The FALN um, was a small organization based in Chicago and New York. Um, they were Cuban-trained and financed. Um, they blew up about 130 bombs in the U.S.
3: That's important for the them list. to know. This was it not is. a one-off. This is not it a one-off. It wasn't a
4: one-off, no. It was an early bomb. Um, their first bomb had <laughs> detonated in December of 1974, only a couple months before. And uh, it was... It, it, it maimed a uh, police officer, Angel Poggi. He was a Puerto Rican, and he was on his first day on the job when they uh, when they set a booby trap for him. Wow. So, um, you know, these guys were, were ruthless, and they were indiscriminate in a lot of ways. Um, they, uh, they went on this long terror campaign mm-hmm. for over 10 years.
3: Right, I was going to 10- say, so how long before they were caught?
4: Um, it took an awfully long time for they were caught. It was actually the Joint Terrorism Task Force was founded on the FALN bombings in New York and in Chicago. Uh, they, were, they were caught in Chicago in 1981 and 82. Um They were arrested. They were tried. They refused to um, represent themselves at trial. Uh, they only spoke at sentencing where they threatened to kill Judge McMillan. Um, and uh, he carried, the judge carried two revolvers under his robe because uh, these guys were threatening to kill him. Uh, they, um. they said that no, no U.S. prison could hold them. And, uh, you know, they were absolutely remorseless for, well, their, it's a good th- for their murders and mayhem.
3: Well, that's a good thing. I mean, as, as sad as this situation is, at least they, they were found. They got heavy sentences, correct?
4: Yes, they and the, close, that was the end between of this. Fifty-five and seventy years. Uh, right. The, so the end
3: of the story was they all went to jail for fifty-five, seventy years. They died in prison, and we all lived uh, happily ever after. Correct?
4: Yeah, not quite. Um, <laughs> exactly. And that—that's where the politics and where all this stuff comes in. Um, I we think did, we got enough. Meant-
3: we, we got enough time before the first break. Tell them, tell the listeners, what happened to these uh, terrorists who killed your father?
4: Well, they went. They went to prison. like we just said long periods of time and and justly i mean they were fighting a war against us they left communiques describing why they did what they did Mm -hmm. and uh um without any remorse like i said they threatened to, to kill the judge at sentencing um one of them william morales um blew himself up in a in a queen's bomb factory on what would have been my dad's 37th birthday he ended up escaping along with joanne chesimard and others to cuba where he is now But the rest of the FALN who were in prison um, were put away for life. And you never would have heard my name except for 1999 when Hillary Clinton was getting set to run for senator from New York. Uh, Bill Clinton offered them executive clemency. And this was in August of 1999. Um, They would have all walked out of prison except that none of them accepted the clemency. They actually refused it. Uh, Clinton had put Eric Holder in charge. He was the deputy attorney general, um, put Eric Holder in charge of getting the clemencies together for these people. Um, he went to the pardon attorney, um, who Margaret Love, who refused to go along with the clemency. She rejected it, so he fired her, hired another um, pardon attorney who gave them an options memo, and the clemencies were sprung in August of '99. They were all rejected. They took 30 days finally to accept the clemency where uh, all but one Oscar Lopez Rivera accepted the clemency and walked out of jail on September 10th, 1999. Lopez stayed in prison. And if if his name sounds familiar, it's because uh, I went to his parole hearing in 2011 and kept him in when he was looking to get out. And then um, uh, Obama gave him clemency on his last day in office, on January twentieth, my birthday, uh, two thousand seventeen. So, uh, and then Lopez was made a freedom hero, or tried yes. to be made a freedom hero at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and in Chicago they named streets after him. He was mm-hmm. a sworn terrorist, and at his parole hearing he refused to accept any responsibility. Uh, he was, uh, he, it, it was unbelievable. We went to the parole hearing in Terre Haute. With the expectation that if he, if he showed some contrition, that we would recommend that that he be released. Well, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't give us that satisfaction. Okay, and, hold it uh, right the there right to the, the, the to right the right other side,
3: them. and we're going to finish that up, and we're going to go over uh, how you tied that to BLM. But I wanted to say, the the people listening are in Chicago, so they definitely will remember the uh, Oscar Lopez R- Rivera and the Puerto Rican Parade and him being a hero. And I'll talk about what their favorite son, Luis Gutierrez, said about him when we come back as well. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer.
0: This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AF560, The Answer. Everybody knows that today's...
3: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here, and we are speaking to Joe Connor, author and columnist. He's telling us about the terrorists who murdered his father and three others, and uh, their ties and similarities to BLM. And before we get to the similarities, when we left on the other side... We were talking about Oscar Lopez Rivera, and, uh, which is going to tie into some of the similarities. But I was going to uh, let everybody remind you all what Luis Gutierrez said about uh, him. He said in a statement after he was released that he was, quote, overjoyed and overwhelmed by his release. Oscar is a friend, a mentor, and a family to me. That is the way he described a domestic terrorist. Yeah. So, yep. We, we, you got something you want to say before I talk about my first similarity?
4: Yeah, yeah I was just going to say. I mean, he's family. Did he ever think of the family that this guy destroyed? Like the, the, the words that these politicians use, and I find that I end up having more animosity towards the politicians who say things like that and who use like Clinton who used their, and Holder and Obama and Biden who use terrorism for p- politics than I do the terrorists themselves, because we, we elect these politicians. We put their tr- our trust in them, and they use murderers to further their cause, and it, it is an absolute disgrace. And uh, someone like Gutierrez, thank God he's out of Congress, but he did an awful lot of damage while he was there, and he continues to do it.
3: Well see, you just sent me right up to my first point. Uh in your article you talked about a couple of similarities which we'll get to, but I think one of the number ones is that. I have a list. And the number one I have sympathetic politicians. Yep. So you had those that you mentioned and uh Bernie Sanders, you could have added, you could have added De Blasio, uh, you could have added absolutely. Cuomo. Right. Yep. Yep. And then look at today with BLM. They are The country's literally on fire. What yep. have we had? We've had the Portland mayor. No, let's go back. We had the Seattle mayor when Trump said, man, somebody needs to do something in there. Well, why don't you just shut up and stay in the house? It's like a, a block party atmosphere around here until they yeah. broke into her house. Right, you got the right. Portland mayor. It's like, it's not my job to protect the citizens here. It's your job and it's your fault, right? We have, yeah. we have Mitt Romney going to a BLM march. We have everyone. I will say this clearly, and I'll say this on air here, and I'll continue to say it. Every politician, really everybody, but every politician who aligns themselves with BLM is guilty, right? As Jacob uh, Blake's father said. Guilty. Let's try them now. They are guilty. I don't care if they. I don't care if they didn't really know. I don't care if they thought. Well, I was only agreeing with this mushy part, not that part. You know what they're doing. You know what they believe. If you're on their side, you're on. The, you're against America. It's that simple today. Simple. And and that's one of the similarities, right? Yeah. The absolutely. politicians are in bed with BLM. And and the and
4: and you know. Uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse from it either. If you if you break the you law, you sure Pelosi not in just said that. that
3: but Pelosi just said that if she didn't know, she couldn't get her hair done. then yeah, she was okay. She didn't okay. know about her. She didn't know, that, <laughs> about she about didn't own know. Law. Yeah.
4: She, she didn't know that her own law, that she's been pushing and shaming people for breaking. Uh, breaking, it's not even, I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a decree. But in any event, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. These politicians have put themselves on the side of of Black Lives Matter, the same way Ob- Obama and Biden, releasing Oscar Lopez, put mm-hmm. themselves on his side. And, and there's direct connections between these groups. So I mean, they're Marxist, right? I was going to get that. to that. That
3: was one in your article, yeah. the Marxist beliefs. That's another similarity
4: yeah and we have Susan Rosenberg, who is a fundraiser for for Black Lives Matter, who was one of the people who broke William Morales out of prison when I mentioned Morales before he had blown himself up he knocked mm-hmm. out half his face and nine of his fingers he was getting um, he was getting uh, a, a prosthetic advice mm-hmm. in in a, in a prison, and uh, he somehow escaped prison with no freaking fingers, climbed down a
3: mm-hmm. climbed
4: down a, a, a sheet rope, and was whisked away by the likes of Susan Rosenberg. The family that was a that was a group of of uh, communists from the May nineteenth Communist Organization, from the Black Liberation Army, and these groups that and got why, him why out were they, there the why, same way they did with Joe And why was they May
3: why, why did they name oh. themselves May nineteenth?
4: Oh, because that was Ho Chi Minh's birthday. Why? Of course. What? You don't know that?
3: <laughs> this Come is on. crazy. How can people not realize this? And here's another mix. Everybody on the right talks about how this isn't a pro-black movement, BLM. There are just three lesbians who are pushing the LGBTQ uh, TQ agenda. That's what they say, right? Well, what, yeah. al- what other similarities, uh, similarities do we have? Well,
4: you, have the, you have the May 19th communists who are a bunch were of lesbians, lesbians, too. Same thing.
3: They I also mean, had multiple groups, right? They were the Underground, yep. the Family, the May 19th, yeah. the BLA, the Machete Wilders. For some reason, I like that name, right? And the, 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 the weather under, and
4: the, the Weather Underground, too, that, you know, Bill Ayers, who is a Chicago guy, who Obama started his career at, you know, the Weather Underground's bombing, bombs were the exact design that the FALN had, the exact. So, so if you talk to, to the bomb technicians from the, from the era, they were identical. So, so these groups were completely connected. When they tried to break Oscar Lopez out of prison, and they did, they tried to break him out of Le- Leavenworth, and uh, the FBI got wind of it. And w- they were going to use explosives, helicopters, and automatic weapons. And the, when they traced down the explosives, it was the Weather Underground who were picking it up to use to blow him out. So when when I in my head I think of the old Batman movie in a way where all the where the, the Joker the Riddler and the Penguin were all in Did the we same group together. Sometimes, together. <laughs> yeah, they were all in the same group, and and the common denominator to all this was Cuba, and right. and what we saw with the Obama Biden administration was opening up our relations with Cuba, who has been at war with us for sixty years.
3: That's so, right there, because I want to I, I got to go with one more thing, and I want to save enough time to talk about your book and your movie and all that other kind of thing. Sure, but. I wanted to point out some differences. I agree with you that there are a lot of similarities, but there's some differences that technically make, even though they're not bombing, makes this harder to catch and harder to manage here. So, like, the financing is different, right? So you obviously know that they didn't have fat cats funding them, so they had to rob banks and and, and armored cars and things of that nature. So now they don't have to break those laws because people give them money, right?
4: That's that's true. That was a different world. Yeah. It, 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 we didn't have the they didn't have the internet in the 60s and 70s for that kind of stuff. Right. Absolutely
3: and those right. groups were largely condemned. We 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 made fun of the politicians and talked about how they were complicit. But for the most part like you talk about the Puerto Rican Day Parade, a lot of corporate sponsors pulled out of that parade because of they, that, they right?
4: They were fantastic. They all well, they all pulled out when when Lopez was was going to be made this Puerto Rican, the uh, the hero freedom that's hero beautiful, right? freedom hero for a Marxist. But here's
3: Think the about problem. This. But here's the problem. What are those corporations doing today when the enemy is BLM?
4: You know, that's a really good point. <laughs> I've never. I've, I've been in corporate America for 30 years. I've never seen anything like this before, where corporations are are, are putting up logos of of subversive organizations or any organizations. Yeah. They never did that, and now nope. and now they're falling all over themselves. To align themselves with a Marxist organization.
3: That's why, in I, the long run, this might even be more dangerous because yes, they don't have to bomb point. anything to get attention. They're hand, you're all handing them the keys to the castle.
4: I know, right? But, and but they you know, and
3: they're going to re, reshape America, and we won't know it until until no one pushes back and they lose, we lose, and then we're going to. How do we get here? So, t- talk about your book, Shattered Lives. Sure,
4: sure. I you know I started the book, believe it or not, on September tenth, uh, two thousand one, on the train on the way home from work. And my cousin Steve was a bond trader, a Kenner Fitzgerald. He was my father's godson. And uh, I started writing about the FALN clemencies, which happened exactly two years before, literally to the day. And uh, the next day I was was in the city. I was putting my laptop in downtown, and I saw the side of the World Trade Center explode. Um, And my cousin Steve was murdered that day. Um, So I had started writing, and I, I really... It changed the focus of my life in a lot of ways. And finally, uh, I, a guy named Jeff Ingber had seen me on Fox, and um, he had written some books about his family's connection to the Holocaust. And he he was able to put this together. Uh, he's brilliant, and he's a great guy. And uh, we we finally got this book. It took you know almost 18 years or something from beginning to get it finally published. And um, it talks about my dad, and it talks about the clemencies. It talks about... The connections that we're that we're discussing now, and um, it brings nine eleven. There's a lot of connections there with nine eleven. This um, some of the same people who've represented these communists have represented the uh, the FALN, uh, the um, the, uh, the Al Qaeda, and the the blind sheik, and these. So mm-hmm. there's so many connections between everything, and our family seems to be at kind of the center of a lot of it. And you know, the point is. That, uh, I didn't want my dad to be forgotten, and he deserved a lot better than some politicians using his life for their political gain. And, um, so, when is the, the movie going to come out? good at the movies in production now, oh, okay. Shadow Lives Movie. And, uh, you know, my website is wewinamerica.com. Um, I also have another book, The New Founders, which was so much fun. It brings the American Founders to life in 2000. Uh, 2000- 12 i guess and uh it was so much fun to write with mike duncan and we uh you know so there's a lot look we're just regular family doing the best we can
3: i appreciate you we win america joe connor thank you for joining us coming up dub hiking you're listening to the liberty hour on am 560 the answer
0: Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312 642 5600.
3: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I'm sorry. I am what you're sorry that it's the Liberty Hour?
1: No, I'm sorry I waited till the last minute to tell you your guest wasn't on the phone.
3: <laughs> you didn't have to tell people that I was scrolling through my phone trying to find a cell phone so uh, I could send you a phone number so he can call you.
1: That's all right. Will, you know, we don't mind tearing down a little wall every once in a while.
3: <laughs> no, that's, that's supposed to say unseen. So uh, what did you think about Joe?
1: I thought that was a very interesting conversation. I, I resisted the urge, I think, as you did as well. <laughs> To just think it, man, you're you're writing a book about how terrorists killed your father on September 10th, and then you watch the towers come down, um, you know. And he lost, did he say cousin?
3: Yeah, Um, his cousin.
1: His cousin. It's just like, man, terrorists really just have it out for his family. But you know, I didn't want to make you you probably couldn't say that or yeah, play any stupid funny sounds during that. Uh, It really is fascinating that that there there's such a disconnect. Between people looking at something rationally, which is terrorists killed this man's father and and oh this person is a what symbol of freedom? Freedom fighter? How would you how would you phrase that?
3: I think they probably said all of it. And and the odd thing about it is I remember with that obviously, you know, not the situation with his dad and all that, but in Chicago when um
1: Oh, with the parade? Yeah. Yeah,
3: with the parade and everything and, and, and I knew uh a lot of people were just so upset by it. I mean, like you said, at least eventually the corporations uh, pulled their sponsorship. I think, I don't remember which one. Do you remember one of them between New York and Chicago did not go through with it? One of them One of them still
1: did. I don't remember, but, I mean, you made a great point about, well, what about now, right? With all of them acquiescing to BLM's mission, and, and I don't even know what their mission would be. I mean, self-stated is to destroy capitalism, but... I don't know how right. that well how well that works for sponsors, but um, you, you know this day and age, right? If that happened now, they would be bending over backwards to make sure that there were no dissenting opinions and that, that there was a safe space for this terrorist.
3: Right, it's, that's what I say. So obviously, the the bombing changes everything. Because, but for that, you would say my argument was that it's worse now because. They don't have to run and hide, right? They don't have to pretend that they're something they're not or, or change what they believe or anything like that. Um, what
1: makes it so that they don't have to run and hide is the fact that we've normalized them not needing to run and hide. I mean, it, well, yeah. the, the minute you say, okay, well, I, you know, maybe it's not worth the effort, they've won.
3: Well, yeah, but they're not even saying it's not worth the w- effort. They're saying give them what they want. Well, but that, that's one and the same
1: to me. Right. It's not worth the effort. I don't of actually know. There's a difference between
3: the, the think about it. There are people out there that say, I don't really agree with BLM. But if you say something, people get all pissy. So I'll keep it to myself. OK. And the people saying, hey, they want they They want to give us a list of all their birthdays and we're going to make them all national holidays. Right. Let's do it. There's a, there's that's a, that's yes. not a fine line. That's, no, that's, there's know, a
1: delineation there. Right. Um, no, I, I meant more as far as the, uh, the F.A.L.N.
3: I was right. Yeah. But
1: as far as once you normalize, you know, oh, well, you know, it wasn't that. It was a different age. It wasn't that bad. It's the same thing with old school racism. Once you start normalizing the segregationists, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, it was a long time ago. Okay. Did he ever come out against it? Did he ever turn his back? Did he ever publicly? Well, no, but it was a long time. No. No. You, you don't get to do that. You don't, get to, you don't get to say, okay, well, these guys killed this guy's dad. But no. He's a terrorist.
3: Well, done. Yeah, but but they are right. Capitalism is bad, and it's no, not right. fair that it's not fair well, that see, his father can yeah. afford to, to to you know eat at that restaurant.
1: Yeah, but now, right? So you get the BLM. Now you, it's not a fair comparison because it's you know like you said the bombings, right? Right. But right. now, what is what is violence? What is inspiring violence? What is supporting violence? What is encouraging or inciting? I mean, there, there's a lot yeah. of. Uh,
3: yeah. And, and, and the other thing with that, too, is yeah, give, I was just talking to someone a few minutes ago before the show about this. Tell me what your thoughts on this. You know, for a while, people have been saying, you don't hear too much, but whenever it comes up, they quickly say it. They would say, well, those riots happened in Seattle or whatever. We got what BLM is doing in New right. York. And then you got what Antifa's doing in Seattle. I'm like, excuse me, there's a difference?
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
3: but there might have been two different organizations organizations before. I don't really think there's a difference.
1: There is a clear difference, right? Because BLM is sixty-five percent white, and Antifa is eighty-five percent white. (laughs) Okay. Hey, your guest is on the phone. But if you
3: but if you drew it in a Venn diagram, yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, well, let's, well, let's put see, it lightly. I,
3: right. Here's the thing: we can move this break for one minute, so I'll let him talk about his appearance. Go to commercial, and then we'll finish up. Okay. You see "All right." So let I me will introduce shut him. Up. No, let, <laughs> let me introduce him. We got to get him all set up. He's a former New York City assemblyman, assemblyman, and a founder of Americans Against Anti Semitism. Dub Hyken, welcome to the Liberty Hour.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> delighted to be with you.
3: I, meant to, I was going to text you, but I couldn't find your cell phone. Um, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, I wanted to start with your, even though you and I had already talked before, you had that appearance on Tucker, so I wanted to start there. You were talking about Biden's uh, anti-Semitic problem, right? And so, Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's, uh, unfortunately, uh, and I'm very, very, you know, it's sad for me to say this, but it's the reality, you know, the Democratic Party today, today's Democratic Party, unfortunately, has a double standard. Hypocrisy is the name of the game. You know, they they talk, whether it's Biden, other people in the Democratic Party, you know, they talk the talk, you know, about uh, unifying the country and about standing up against hate and bigotry and, and all that. But when it comes to anti-Semitism, uh, you know, it's a whole different standard. it uh, doesn't really count whether it's Linda Saussure, uh, uh, who's a, uh, outright anti Semite, a person who supports violence, a person who supports terrorists, who was part of the Democratic Convention. Uh, I mean, the, the farce of it is unbelievable. Linda Saussure, uh, at first, uh, a spokesman for the Biden campaign, meaning a spokesman for Biden, mm-hmm. uh, outright called her an anti-Semite. Then three days later, they fell over each other, apologizing, and we never really got the picture. You know, reporters don't ask questions, <laughs> you know, real questions of the Biden campaign. They just don't. They throw softballs, not hardballs. And then you have the situation, you know, uh, you know uh, with a uh, uh, Blake Senior uh, with Ooh. a record of hate that is beyond comprehension. I mean, again, I watched Blake Senior, uh, uh, you know, talk about, you know, get on television. I mean, I I thought he was a civil rights leader, to be honest with you. Uh, and 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 then when you look at the things that he advocates and the things that he says, the most vicious. Most vicious, vile, anti-Semitic uh, tweets—not uh, just anti—you uh, know—not just anti-Semitic, but against Christians, against white people. I mean, and and we're not even talking about oh that happened ten years ago, oh that happened five years ago, or twenty years ago. Uh, you know, he's a different person today. No, this is recent. This is now. This is what this guy is all about. And and for, for, for Biden to pretend that none of that is there, and not in any way to address it. I mean, Biden can express his feelings about what happened to his son and so on, even though we're all waiting for the conclusion of the investigation. But this guy is a racist. This guy is an anti-Semite. Right. So, again, I'm just talking about the the double standard in the Democratic Party, Uh, Vice President Biden, you know, know, seems like a sweet, nice guy, you know. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm not looking for a grandfather, you know. know, (laughs) That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a leader.
3: We'll we'll finish that on the other side, and I think it's even bigger than you think. Uh, We'll be back with Deb Haiken on the Liberty Hour at AM560, The Answer.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312 642-5600.
3: 642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. We are talking with Dove Hyken, former New York City Assemblyman and founder of Americans Against Anti-Semitism. And before the break, we were talking about Biden's anti-Semitic uh, Semitic problem and uh, talking about Jacob Blake's father sounding like Jesse Jackson from the 1980s. But uh, I want to ask you this. Wouldn't you say that Biden's problem or the Democrats problem is larger than just, you know, Linda and, and the others and Omar and all of that? It seems like the left, you said they have a uh, hypocrisy problem, but it seems like the anti-Semitic views in the country are, are are starting to come more and more from the left. If you look at the college campuses and the marches, they, and they used to talk, I don't know if they still do now, you follow this more than me, but I know three or four years ago, they were all talking about the uh, BDS movement. Now it's just, you know, this, you know, this, this big push in this, on the college campuses to you know embrace Palestine and say everything that Israel does is wrong. And, and all that seems to be coming from the left. And mind you, you're in New York. I'm newly in New York. And when I first moved here, I noticed that, man, New York is like 92% uh, Democrat, and there's just this rash of attacks on Jews, and no one's saying anything.
2: Well, uh, you are right on target with everything you said. The, the statistics for anti-Semitism in New York uh, during the past year, you know, last 14 months, was unprecedented. We have never, ever had anything like it. Uh, you know, I represented a bunch of communities for 36 years uh, in the New York State Assembly. Uh, you know, I was out there to fight anti-Semitism, but never saw anything like I saw the last 14 months. And almost all of this, all this hate, all of these violent attacks upon the Jewish community, the, the drawing of swatzikas, the intimidating of, of people in different communities, all of it came from one single community. It came from a minority community. It came from, you know... Don't say the,
3: minority. It, say it. Say it.
2: I, I did say it all the time. In fact, how do I know where it came from? Because there were so many videos. Thank God we live in a period where there are videos. We saw the videos of the people walking the streets and just assaulting Jews because yep. they were Jews. They were not taking anything from them. Nope. They were not stealing anything. All they wanted to do was beat up on a Jew. And this was happening on a daily basis and culminated in what happened in Jersey City where uh, you had the attack upon uh, uh, Jews there and others who were murdered actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had the stabbing of uh, Uh, Shortly thereafter, in Muncie, New York, uh, and one of those people actually died afterwards. So things were out of control. And we saw the perpetrators in almost all of these cases. And it so happens, they came from the black community. That is just a fact. And and hardly anyone. I mean, Bill Bill de Blasio, the governor of the state of New York, I mean, they were missing in action. It wasn't politically correct to address it.
3: So let me ask you this they don't say anything but it's worse than that this is part of the magic that the democrats are able to pull up, pull off that's bad enough without a doubt i'm not condoning it but not only do they say nothing you know even the jewish community Everybody on the left finds a way to just say, it is all Trump. And then the rest of us just say, yeah, sounds about right, must be Trump. I mean, it's it's fascinating that they're able to convince me. You can see the people on the video. Unless we're going to assume that 90% of the black community is voting for Trump, who buys that? But they find a way to do that.
2: Yeah, in fact, uh, what you're saying is exactly what happened. Uh, After the attacks that I mentioned, it was De Blasio and and Cuomo who blamed the president. I mean, what the president had to do with the individuals who made these attacks upon the Jewish community? I, in fact, uh, went on every single TV show to to defend the president and, and i mean it was just outrageous look look trump gets blamed for everything and 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 the democrats they're innocent like the white snow they they you know they they're fine and, and it is such hypocrisy it is such a lie and i would just tell people out there and i plan to do this from now till the election i'm just asking people wake up and take a look this is serious business when you i mean imagine biden not speaking out now what will he do when he's president for god's sake
3: with no opponent right. correct do you
2: know who's running the democratic party a guy by the name of bernie sanders tlaib omar and the radical left they're the ones waiting literally i can see them with my eyes just waiting for and, biden uh, to win uh yeah, we and we hope to god that doesn't happen they're just waiting for that moment and they take Over, no question about it. Anyone who thinks differently is just not living in the real world.
3: And let me interrupt you right there. I want you to tell
2: just a sad reality what's going on in this country, for God's sake.
3: And I want you to be leave enough time for you to tell us about your organization and the documentary I saw on the website. But first, I want to say this: it's important you mention Bernie Sanders. Because as a black guy and a Jewish guy here, it's important that people understand, because a lot of people who aren't in those categories, are regular white folks who look and say, well, I don't get it. Why do the Jews do this? Why do blacks do this? Blacks are, tend to be, you know, church-going religious people. What happened? Because for the blacks on the left and Jews on the left, they are leftists first, then they're Christians and Jews, then they're this and that, because they're leftist. So Bernie can be Jewish and still be like, I love Linda. I love Omar, because I'm a leftist first. I'm a Marxist first. That's how powerful that is trend is if I'm a leftist I'm a leftist first then I go to church and people need yep. to understand that
2: boy again I mean I'm agreeing with everything you're saying because you are so on target that unfortunately to a lot of people in the Jewish community uh, on the left Israel is not the number one and number two issue, sadly. Uh I mean Bernie Sanders talks about being a proud Jew, but he embraces anti Semites. He embraces <laughs> people who embrace terrorists. Linus Asur has embraced terrorists. It's there. It's clear. I mean, there's no debate about that. And they get away with it and they are part of the Democratic Party. And I just hope and pray. Look, there are I can understand There are people who, you know, they have a problem with not the policies of our president, but maybe some of the things that he tweets and some of the things that he says. I get it. But I I need to warn people, don't make the mistake, don't make the mistake of not recognizing that, God forbid, if... If Trump is not reelected, I'm really concerned about the future of this country. I really mean that. Not that Trump is perfect. Let's get I'm not a Trumpy. I want I want to point that out. But there is no choice. I mean, uh, <laughs> Biden is not running the show. Trust yeah. me, he is not running it's the, the show. It's the Look what's going on in our yep. cities, in democratic cities. People's lives are being destroyed. Their businesses being burned down. People who have worked their entire life to have a business and they struggle. We have
3: one, one minute they here, Dove. We're short on time. Tell us about your organization in the documentary. Well,
2: it's Americans Against Anti-Semitism. People can go on the website, support us. Help. Look, we are, we're out there to speak out, to stand up, to fight, to not be afraid. And, and, and because, you know, as I have told people, and I told this to Tucker, in 1944, my mother, her mother, other members of the family, they were living in a beautiful community. They, they got along with everybody, and one day, suddenly, they were all taken to Auschwitz. My mother was taken to Auschwitz. My grandparents were murdered the day they arrived in Auschwitz along with nephews and nieces. We, and why did this happen? Where did it come from? It came from
4: hate. Well, it thank came you, from Dad. hate of the Jewish
3: people. I hear the music. We're coming up to the break. I appreciate it. That is a cautionary tale. Doug Hyken, thank you for joining me on the Liberty Hour. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's
3: your host, Sean Thompson. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I am Charles Love, not Sean Thompson. Hey, I wonder Sean's been sitting in for uh Steve Cortez, about as long as I've been here, does he have to keep saying, I'm not, does he have to keep going over Steve Cortez and say, Sean Thompson?
1: No, they but actually they... made him some custom imaging.
3: Wow, really?
1: <laughs> yes, they Ima- certainly Im- did.
3: Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you
1: know, I, I, could, I yeah. could make you something. I'm, um, I'm just saying. I mean, I, it's I gonna going to <laughs> be terrible, because I'm not going to put any effort into it. But, oh, so uh,
3: it's going to sound like worker. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, <laughs> something like that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am not Sean. I am Charles sitting in for Sean for a long, 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 long time. But I'll keep saying that because he keeps saying that, And then I say it. Then he talks about cigars and scotch and I don't have it. But Patrick is probably like, dude, you're eating into my time. So Patrick is my man about town coming to give me all the stats in the who, what, where, when, where and why in Chicago. So let's welcome back the frustrated Democrat. My partner. Patrick Brutus. Hey, what's
5: going on, Charles? You know, you know one know, person who will never, never, ever confuse you for Sean. Me. That?
3: Me. Well, oh, oh, that, <laughs> that means a lot. You know, I, I want to start off real quick and say we had some tef- yep. te- technical difficulties last week, and a couple. a couple. I, but, a, a couple. <laughs> I disappeared and didn't come. Remember the last time I disappeared and you were here, but this time I didn't come back for a while. But You're I wanted you. <laughs> oh, is it happening again? <laughs> but I wanted you at the end of the segment to talk about our new podcast together, and you didn't get a chance to. So maybe you'll get a chance to at the end of the year. Don't do it yet. Say yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So, so, so you know you, you know, I want you to do it. You got it ready in front of your mind. So tell me what's going on in Chi-Town.
5: Well, this has been an interesting week policy-wise. You know, uh, let's not focus too much on crime this week until the end. But <coughs> this week, the mayor announced... Uh, that you know we have a 1.2 billion dollar shortfall i think this is fair game for everyone to opine on this is mm-hmm. regarding our city deficit taxes you know layoffs people moving in and around leaving the city coming back into the city i think this is a, a pretty big deal charles yeah. 1.2 billion dollars it goes into the narrative that all these democratic cities run by democrats mayors governors etc city councils all over the place are poorly run. I'm not saying Chicago's poorly run. I mean, I'm going to give the mayor a break. She just got here. This is her second year. But this narrative that all these Democratic cities are in deficit, bad policies, under crime waves, bad for the residents and taxpayers, I don't know how we don't uh, escape that uh, that big net of criticisms. So, well, you know, we've got a big problem here in Chicago.
3: Well, I think that... Uh It's not really people, you know, we beat up on Democrats. It's easy to do. But to be fair, I just think that they're, you know, good parent, bad parent. They're the good parent. They don't like to tell you no. I mean, they know at some point down the road something's going to happen. I mean, I don't want to tell you no. I mean, I like it when you're happy and smiling. So if they keep saying, well, don't lock people up. But people will still be criminals if they keep saying, "Well, you know, if people need social services. It's rude to cut them, so just put put But we gotta pay for them. Well, yeah, well, right, we're gonna raise right. taxes. But then people say, "Well, I don't want you to raise taxes." Okay, fine, we won't raise taxes then. I want to make everybody happy, and sometimes just guys are like, "Dude, this is what it is. Deal with it." I think they should double. This is me. I'm going to wreck. I think they should double taxes. Sales tax, property tax, everything. Just double it now instead of this little incremental little bit here and there. To maybe, no, boil the water. None of that frog stuff. Double the taxes. Who's with me? Oh, that's right. I'm well, in New Carol, York. I, oh, that's right. I don't live there anymore, right? Oops. I think, yeah, that's, Doug, let me be think, real. That's I the only reason I'm saying I that. I think
5: you were the only one who raised your hand there. And so let me just say real quick that, <laughs> you know, last year when she came into office under the new administration after being elected, she had an eight hundred and thirty-eight million dollar deficit that the previous administration left her straddled. So with, see, she only has a four hundred million dollar credit. deficit. Man, no, it was eight thirty eight. I know,
3: 838. so eight thirty eight to one point two It's only four hundred thousand four hundred million, see?
5: Yeah. Well if you that, you you might want to add it up too, it could be considered two billion.
3: It could right? be two billion, I know. You know. I was kidding. <laughs>
5: And and there are some folks who are very critical that she didn't go for the tax increase on the first year, given that she won all fifty wards and really swept the election. And it's a, mandate. a mandate It's a in. mandate, right. woman date. And so folks are it's a lady. Yeah, date. one day. It's a lady date. It's a lady date. Mandate yes. lady date. Oh. It took
3: you a while. Come on, catch up. Catch up. We're only here for a few minutes.
5: (laughs) That one almost got past me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so tough decisions lie ahead. Uh, You know, I think uh, the report out of the uh, press is that everything and anything is on the table. For consideration in order to balance this budget. And, what do you mean you know, everything? Wait, calm. stop,
3: stop, stop. What do you mean everything is on the table? There's no knock on anybody. I'm just a realist. You know that. I'm a solutions guy. What do you mean everything right. is on the table? Where does the money come You're a smart guy. You work in, you understand this thing. Where does the money come from? Name all the sources that the money can come from. Go.
5: Well, it's got to come from taxes and okay, all what else? fees that the city is raising. Yeah, That's and it. what else? That's it. <laughs> right, mean, everything federal, on the it means
3: raise stuff. <laughs> well, you know, you don't talk to Trump, right, though, right, so you're not right. going to get federal funding because you don't talk to Trump. Right. So, what you mean is raise stuff? <laughs> oh, everything's on a well, table. You know what? I, <laughs> what, what else they is there, say,
5: Charles, uh-huh. Charles? remember back in the Daily Administration, they sold everything. They sold, <laughs> they the sold the Skyway, stuff. <laughs> they sold the parking meters. They tried the long-term lease garages. Well, so yep, yep, I don't yep. think there are any assets left to sell to bring this deficit down. And so it's going to be some creative magic number work Double tax. coming out of their budget.
3: Double tax. I mean, Hashtag double tax.
5: Taxes on, layoffs are on. You know, we've got to get this down. As you know, Charles, all agencies, municipal governments and state governments are all under the law that they have to balance the budget. The only entity that can run a federal a deficit is a federal budget. Mm-hmm. uh, the federal government. So they have to balance this budget. So we'll see how that happens. Was, All you right. know, we'll see how that happens. I think Chicago is in for an uh, interesting, uh,
3: right. <clears throat> what else uh, you got?
5: So what else we got? What else we put on the table here? We talk. we want to talk about the, um, well, you know, we, we just kind of mixed in the budget sessions with the, with the deficit. They went on a round, uh, roundabout town hall, virtual town hall, um, series of meetings. And so that is concluded. I think the people got some feedback and we'll go now to city council and start their official budget hearings citywide with their budget committee, where they now have all the people come into city council and pitch their budgets in front of the alderman and the city council. So we'll see how that process goes. And then this will be concluded in a couple of months. I think next month, October, uh, after a number of weeks, we'll we'll get the proposal for what the FY21 will look like. And hopefully it's balanced Hopefully it's balanced. But other big news, other big news. Uh, are we ready for our body count? Or
3: uh, we can hold off on a body count. I got one for you. I'll ask you. I just wanted you to get what your your big topics out of the way. I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you seen the man with the spit, the spit bag on his head? The, the, the Rochester, New York, they put the bag. The police officer put the bag on the head. People are mad. Have you seen that? Yeah,
5: yeah. I don't. I, think, I don't mean I, to laugh at that. I laughed because oh, I, I called it a spit bag. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that I, I, that was unbelievable.
3: Well, well, see, here's the thing. Uh, I don't often say this. It's only happened a couple of times. I hate when it happens. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll probably talk about this on Thursday, but. When these stories come out, I try to ignore them. I know it seems weird. You're doing a radio show. But I don't get into the weeds and watch videos and all that crap because it's all madness. It's never black and white. But my friends even started, aha, I got one for you, Charles, sending me, tweeting me, uh, texting me and tweeting me pictures of it. So I'm like, fine, I'll look. And I went and I looked up the story. And I got God again. Apparently, they didn't just take the random random black guy, sit him in the middle of the street, put a bag on his, uh, on his head and choke him out like all my friends tried to act like happened. That's not really what happened. Did you know that that's not really what happened? That a bunch of white guys didn't just say, hey, let's put a bag on a black man's head. Right. Did, right. did you know that some of the officers right. were black? Did you know that his brother called him there? Did you know that they told him he had corona, and that's why they put the bag under there? Did you know that? And uh, I say it's all about racism, right? They keep going to this racist thing. But right. does that right. mean but that as
5: long as there's a black officer involved, they right? Back but not off. only
3: that, does that mean that Lovely and Leron are racist? Do you know who Lovely and Laron are? You don't know Lovely and Ron, yeah. do you? So I'm reading the article, and I no. saw that, and I'm like, that sounds some black black names to me. So I Googled it, and the mayor, lovely Warren, black woman, says she took the blame. We we failed you, blah, blah, blah. And then, the apostrophe, Ron Singletary came out to talk about the police action. He is the mm. police, police superintendent. So oh, yeah, like police in other places, right. everybody in charge is black. Everybody in charge is Democrat, but the math say Trump did it and Trump's a racist. We'll be back in a couple seconds to talk about the the numbers, what else is going on in Chicago and New York with Patrick Brutus. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer, and I'm still here. Show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T.
0: It's the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on A560, the answer. Everybody knows that today's
3: Welcome back to the Liberty day. Hour. Charles Love here. You know, I was listening to that promo for Diamond and Silk's book, and it said that you can find the book at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Isn't that Amazon? Anyway. That, uh, that is pretty much
1: <laughs> it at this point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> They've crushed everyone else. Darn Bezos. But before the break, Patrick, I was talking about the uh, Rochester, New York thing and how everybody yeah. wasn't white yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't a Klan meeting. All that stuff was uh, made up. But it, the people don't care about facts, and they were upset. So did you see the reaction? Did you see the people at the restaurant? So they took what D.C. did and took it to another level. So D.C. went and was like, put your fist up and show solidarity to the terrorist group that is BLM. They went, no, get up and go. Your dinner is over. They just told everybody their meal was over. Is that hey, a, hey, a, hey, you know, Rochester,
5: that a <clears throat> Rochester is not, uh, you know, New York City, right? It's a different vibe in Rochester. And, uh, you know, they're more <laughs> is- suburban. They don't play that. And, you know, they, they, they treated those folks like they did Englewood did a few weeks ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: And that's a good thing because, I, I, you know, and, and Charles, I think the premise that you're trying to underline here is absolutely on point. If it's black police killing black folks, it's a non-event. If it's white but, cops killing black folks, regardless of circumstance, it is national, international news. Even if he just so, Adam.
3: this one was a mix. Though. Even if, but, it, yeah. but they're going to they're going to play so, this like, out. What, yeah. You,
5: yeah, Like you said, let's wait for the facts to come in. The facts are coming in, right?
3: Right. And and what, the, facts the facts that I've gotten so far is it wasn't a Klan rally because that's the way they painted it right. at first. Look at this man with a bag, Trumpers, Trumpers. I mean, when I, all heard, when I heard his brother say, and I quote, I called the police. I called them there. When I called them, I called them to help my brother, not to lynch my brother. So you called him, huh? So you must have thought he was out of control because you couldn't control him. Just check it. I'm just saying. And it's
5: just, and, and, and it's just like the Jacob Blake situation where uh, the people that knew him called the police on him for him to leave because he was violating the restraining order. Right. So, you know, all this stuff is self-inflicted. And, you say you know, that, but you're wearing a Jacob. You
3: you're saying that, but you're wearing a Jacob Blake T-shirt right now. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Chicago. Okay, go ahead. What you got? I just, right before we came back, I saw something about six and thirty-one. Is that right? Six and
5: thirty-one.
3: That's what popped oh, up yeah. on my phone when I done.
5: Uh, the body count. So let me tell you, Charles. Again, here we go. So this Labor Day weekend so far. So far this Labor Day weekend, this has been updated around six o'clock. Thirty-five shot were killed. September to date, it's only six days. Fifteen shot, seventy-two. Fifteen killed, seventy-two shot. And, and that's just September, six days. I'm gonna pump those
4: numbers up. Those uh, are rookie numbers.
5: Uh, <laughs> and uh, total this week so far, and I'm sure those will get updated uh, tomorrow morning. Nineteen shot hundred, sorry, 19 dead, 111 shot this week. That includes the last couple of days of August. And well, so, they need to hurry up today, get to... we're at 491 killed.
3: Well, they need to hurry up and start defunding those police. Because I'm assuming most yeah, of those, those know, shootings were police shootings, right?
5: Well, you know, if you listen to Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the news, you will have concluded that all these killings were police in, uh, involved. And, you know, that's, or just, that's or
0: something. just the way
5: You know, I just I want to say, you know, I know we do this Tale of Two Cities report and we try to, you know, uh, showcase what's going on in New York and Chicago. But what's going on here in Chicago, uh, we're in a moment where the perception has matched reality, where the violence of this city. And we've been in this little period for quite a while. The perception of Chicago is a dangerous city is actually the reality it is no longer just an idea just a notion or just you know an untouchable gangster town it is a real life situation folks are moving out they're continuing to leave i can't wait for the census numbers in a couple years to Mm -hmm. see exactly if we lost more people due to crime bad economy uh high taxes uh disinvestment poverty it's just a bad situation perception actually has matched reality and we're in a crisis here in the city in Illinois, Chicago, and in in in, in these types of cities. I, right. I, I feel New York is the same way, very similar. You yeah, the, unfortunately, driving people out.
3: It, right? But the, the problem with New York is it may be it's all about the way you look at it, but but it may be a little worse because everything you said right. about Chicago is true, but New York did not have that perception before, and now they do. Right. And one one of the other advantages is it's bad. Uh, you can call it race, poverty, uh, gentrification, segregation, whatever you want to call it. But like uh, Eddie Johnson once said, no, the crime is not that bad. We got it segregated to certain areas of the city. Remember, meaning the black areas. That ain't right. happening in New York. Me, you can't me, Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You can't, You can't do that in New York because New York is so gentrified everywhere. Right. Everybody lives everywhere. So when we talk right. about New York crime, we ain't talking about the south and west side of Chicago. We're talking about everywhere. Right, everywhere. Manhattan. If you saw the video of that guy at 11 o'clock in, in the morning, broad daylight on a Saturday afternoon, just knock a woman over and try to rape her on the platform with people on it. That was in Midtown. So yeah. if you and take New York and Chicago, then that was at, that was in River North. Right, that wasn't in England. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so New yeah, York yeah. is a little different. That's the that. Blasio and, city, right? And for the month, for the month of August, they did the numbers. Uh, the uh, ComStats came out, and they said shootings increased one hundred and sixty-six percent. You can't say that in Chicago.
2: That's terrible. That's right.
3: Terrible. Then you have, you know. A lot of the rise and looting and all that happening and the BLM saying it's, it's, it's reparations. Those were white people come in and infiltrate, infiltrate, but there was mostly black people, right? Here it's everybody. Yeah. We had a, a cover in the newspaper today was Little Red Rioting Hood. I kind of like that one. So they, they arrested eight people for just, you know, maliciously tearing up property, breaking windows, spray painting stuff in, in, uh, Manhattan. And one of them was a 20 year old redhead white woman, father architect, mother was a professional, you know, not your, run-of-the-mill everyday BLM uh, activist. Wow. But really yeah. it is, because yeah. BLM exactly. is white. It's right? BLM is white. That's why it's you, white. It's you, white. So, we real quick we had a 74-year-old year old black woman who got, somebody snatched her purse, and she started and said, hey, and the guy knocked her out cold. Now, yeah, do you, do you a take a look at these people. right? And if I don't have to tell you, what I guess you racist if you say that, but I'm just saying facts. All this stuff was caught on video. When I see the video, except for the 20-year-old pampered girl, what do these people look like? You want to take a guess?
5: They look like me and you.
3: So here's the thing. Is there racism? Yes. Is it wrong? Yes. Are the police profiling? Yes. Not maybe. Yes. So I don't understand how all of the profiling could be because those guys are members of the Klan, and none of it because this is what they see every day. Just maybe, maybe right. Just maybe if you stop breaking windows and punching people and raping women and chasing people around... They won't have that false perception, because it is false, that that's how all of you are. doesn't make it okay, but that's what my white wokeness article was about. You keep perpetuating the stereotype, and then it becomes a vicious cycle. And if I say something, I'm wrong.
5: I tell you, Charles, I can't wait for your book.
3: (laughs) The book book is going to be so good, everyone's going to hate BLM when I'm done. Even BLM well, these, is are the that,
5: these are some of the topics that we've been talking about on our new podcast called The Black Table, which broadcasts Thursdays at 830 Central Time to 10 p.m. Central Time. So if you're listening, if you're me. watching, if you're on Facebook, watch it. The host, the, the co-hosts are me, Charles Love, Brian Mullins, Don Anthony. Uh, 5.60 a.m., and Terrell Barnes. And uh, we have a wonderful, I think, premise where we have five guys with five different viewpoints, five different kind of political philosophies where we talk about the views on our – we talk about the news and our views on the news. And we have an awesome uh, moderator, Kay Winding, who kind of whips us all into shape, gives us topics. We go rapid fire. We we really break it down. And the show, Charles, as you know, this is our new podcast. You're one of the co-hosts. We've been on for two weeks. And we've had over, like, you know, I don't know how many impressions Facebook, uh, you know, metadata, but it's like off the charts. We've got a hit. We're over like 1,500 views each week uh, for a brand new show on Facebook on a Thursday night. That's pretty huge. We're really opposite excited Trump. About it.
3: We were opposite Trump the first time.
5: We were opposite the convention acceptance speech by the incumbent Republican president. And last week we were up against the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cubs and so you know <laughs> we're doing really good i think people are excited to hear this perspective of five uh, men talking about public policy politics and you know the news as it is happening in real time across america and i think people will have uh let us know that we've got a hit we're really excited about it just more avenues for us to explore the conversations that need to be had in america and uh you know we have a pretty unique premise Look at that. You talked us right up to the... And I'm glad to be part part of it with you, alongside you.
3: Well, I appreciate it, sir. You bring an interesting point point of view. Uh, You took us right up to the break. Listen to that. I don't even have to do anything. Thank you, Patrick, for your account, and you're listening to the Liberty Hour. Hopefully, I will be back after this break on AM560, The Answer.
5: You're terrific.
0: Now, back to the Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600.
3: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I am Charles Love. And uh, my next guest here is uh, a great guy with some really good information and important things to say. And he's also a friend of mine. And, you know, what's the point of doing radio? You can't invite your friends on, right? No answer. Okay. <laughs> oh, you talking to me? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, th- I thought McBeth was going to say, I'm not talking to you. I got I to gotta build you up first. You're so, lying! <laughs> so he, he, you want to stop laughing so I can tell people who you are? He holds a PhD in biblical studies and is the co-founder of Freedom's Journal Institute and a candidate for Illinois State Senate to represent the District 40 in the state. Eric, welcome to the Liberty Hour.
6: Hey man, thanks thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: Well, I want to, I think that you can have some important insights and uh, a different perspective uh, that is much needed into what's going on in the world today. And I want to start with you can talk about your organization and what uh, Freedom's Journal Institute is about. But I took something from your mission and I want to ask you about that. Uh, it has <laughs> you're like it's so old I don't remember it. So I'm going to put you to the test. <laughs> You envision a day when uh, Bible-believing Christians stand for what we say and what we believe and actively engage in the political process that represents us. Tell us what you mean by that.
6: Wow, because we don't do it right now. I mean, we have, uh, first of all, the church is divided. Um, You generally have white evangelicals on, on one side who are just to a certain extent voting their conservative values, then you have, you know, black conservatives, excuse me, black believers on another, another side, actually voting more based on, I would Emotion. say uh, to be quite, uh, I was going to say the color of their skin because it's somehow they've been voted conservative. Conservatives don't care about black people. And that, um, you know, if we listen to Joe Biden, if we, if we don't want to be put back in chains, we should, we should continue to vote for the Democrats. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a disconnect and and if we're both supposedly serving the same god and and calling on the same lord and savior, why is it we can't seem to figure out um you know what 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 uh who we should be voting for, how we should be casting our vote.
3: So let's talk about that. Why do you think that's happening? Why don't you think? So you're saying see which is see interesting. I get the black side, but you're saying even the white evangelicals, evangelicals aren't really voting based on their on biblical principles. They're just voting because you know pocketbook or you know their views on LGBTQ or, or something that so they find something on the Republican platform that they feel they can align to, and that's what they vote for. But neither side is really voting their biblical principles.
6: No, no, I would say that there. Are, I would say that, the, that most white evangelicals. And I can't. I can't paint it with a broad brushstroke, right. but I think that, that many white evangelicals, you know, especially those who are pro-life, you know, see that as a biblical, you know, mm-hmm. that, that God said thou shalt not commit murder. And so they look at, they look at abortion as murdering innocent children, uh, murdering babies. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they won't, they won't vote for anybody who's not pro-life. Um, but there's other folks, you know, I had this discussion with another pastor who was like, well, we're not one issue voters. And I, and and I retorted back. I actually weren't talking. We were emailing back and forth. And and I retorted back to him. I said, "Oh yes, we are. Our one issue is how does our vote glorify God?" Um, and that's what we should be thinking. I mean, who 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 are the people that represent who more closely represent what we believe uh, is biblically correct? Uh, I mean, we don't always get it perfect. Sometimes we have uh, we don't have good choices, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like we like like some of the choices we've had here in Illinois have not been very mm-hmm. good. So, you know, you have to pick the, the, the lesser of two evils, if you will. But, you know, you try and get that person or, or you know, that, that's closer to your, to your values, and you hope that when they go to Springfield or go to Washington, they'll represent the same values and principles that you have.
3: So talk about your, talking about principles, talk about the RISE principles of your organization, what they are and why they're important.
6: Well, the R.I.S.E. principles, uh, well, let me tell you what they are. It's it's the word uh, R.I.S.E., it's an acronym that stands for Responsible Government, Individual Liberty and Fidelity, Strong Family Values, and Economic Empowerment. And for us, it's a way to talk about conservative values and principles that uh, many of us share, but we don't necessarily know how to talk about. Uh, A lot of times, um, people want to talk about limited government. Well, a lot of times people don't wanna hear about limited government. Uh, so you know, you, you you start out that way and, they, and people have in their mind, oh, what they're gonna do is they're gonna take away any kind of money I'm getting from the government or they're gonna, you know, and you don't even have a conversation about it. So if you talk about responsible government, you can have a conversation and say, well, what does that mean? Okay, individual liberty and fidelity. Uh, the individual liberty, everybody knows what that means, to try and have liberty, because every time we pass a law, it's generally speaking, it's hurting it's hurting our our, our liberty so uh, and then strong family values is generally the family two parent households education um, pro-life and then economic empowerment is being able to become entrepreneurs how instead of talking about redistrib- redistribution of wealth we just talk about how do we how do we um, make money how do we become wealthy
3: right okay well um, we want to kind of talk about that more and tie it into what's going on today with the BLM and the racism and police and all that kind of things. So stick with me to the other side. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312-642-5600.
3: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here with You're Eric Wallace. Terrific. I am terrific. Uh, he didn't say horrific, right? He said terrific. You're That's terrific. a big difference. Thank you, thank you, Dennis. That is uh, uh, totally true, and uh, I am here with Eric, Eric Wallace, candidate, Illinois State Senate, co-founder, Freedom's Journal Institute, talking about what's going on in the culture and in the country, and trying to tie that to what we should be doing and with what the Bible says is going on and what we should be doing. So Eric, when I left you, you were talking about the rise principles and explaining, you know, how they help and the way we should take those principles and apply them to our lives. And uh, that doesn't sound like, I'm not knocking it, you know, maybe I'll try it out. But it does not sound like the uh, <laughs> prescription BLM has given me. And they got more money, and they no. got more support, and they got more people behind it. BLM tells me I should try a whole different um, process. So, yeah. t- <laughs> so uh, they don't look like they're um, too focused on solutions, do they?
6: No, they're focused on tearing things up. They want to tear down the, uh, you know, they want to tear down the family. They want to tear down. Uh, they want to call everything. Uh, what is it? A euro um, and that it's whiteness trying to be this, that, or the other. I mean, I don't. I don't fully, under, fully understand. Well, I do. I, I do understand where they're going. They're, they're trying to tear it down so they can they can rebuild everything in their own image, and and they can bring in uh, socialism. So right. That's what they want.
3: Well, can you, do you, know, you probably know more of these people than I do because, you know, I, I avoid them like the plague. When you, when you run into one, can you tell them that, you know, I'm all about giving people their argument? And if they get the socialism that they want, ain't no black focus in socialism. No. <laughs> you know, they call themselves Marxists. Karl Marx said um, that um, he wanted the proletariat. Of the of the world to unite, he didn't say the black proletariat to punch the right. white proletariat in the face. You don't get to you don't get to reach that, that apex of what you want, and then say, "All right, now what's in it for black people?" That doesn't work.
6: So well, the, maybe, the irony maybe you should tell it, them that. Well, the irony about it is that they you know they're busy poo pooing everything that's eurocentric, and where did Karl Marx come from? <laughs> and, it, and his ideology.
3: Yeah, but he hated himself, and that's okay. As long as you hate yourself, it's, it's like the, in the earlier segment, you may not have been listening. I was talking about this wealthy, you know, uh, New York socialite who's going around breaking up windows with a BLM t shirt on. And it's because she hates herself. She hates capitalism, but she wouldn't be where she is today had it not been for capitalism. So if you have a healthy hate for yourself, you know, Marx, BLM, Bernie Sanders, then it's okay to be them as long as you hate you, right? And that's right. part of the problem. And, yeah, so I don't know. Where, where, where do you think we go from here? Who's pushing back besides me? I feel like it's just me. I don't know. I'm sure it's somebody else, but who
6: else? Oh, there are other people pushing back, but we don't have the microphone right now. I mean, we're... Snatch it. Take it. You know, we started a program called Kingdoms in Conflict, which is one yeah. of the things we're trying to do in, in this in this program. It's about... Uh, some of the, the, uh, well, it's kingdoms in conflict, a matter of faith, race, and public policy. But we mm-hmm. try to uh, uh, talk It's a about TV show but t- just
3: go back to the beginning. It's a TV show. Tell them where it airs, and then tell them what it's about.
6: Okay, TV show <laughs> <laughs> It's a TV show on TLN, Total Living Network. It comes on the Chicago area it will come on in uh, San Francisco. It'll start next Sunday at uh, 930. 30. Um, we have guests that come in and speak for it's only a half hour. I guess speak for about 20 minutes, and I get on there, and I give you my, my take from a biblical worldview at the end. So I give you enough to make you want some more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and, and what's, the, what's the goal of the show? What are you trying to accomplish?
6: I'm trying to get people to see, especially the church. because Look, I think we do a lot of talking about politics and stuff because we're in it. I mean, we, we kind of live it and breathe it. But there's a lot of people, especially in the Christian community, that don't ever get to hear it. Um, uh, black conservatives or, or white conservatives or any kind of conservative, uh, like I said, the, the BLM, the progressives have the microphone, and they're the other ones screaming from the top of their lungs. And people are they they're getting the money, they're getting the attention. But you know, if we're out there, was it like the um, the, the 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 tortoise and the hare? If the you know we're the tortoise and they're the hare, if we just continue to be steadfast and continue to be out there, continue to talk. Um eventually, you know, the the hair's going to run out of run out of gas and we'll cross the finish line before they do. They're out in front of us, yeah, mm-hmm. and it looks like they're doing a lot more work and stuff. But, you know, people are beginning to realize there's nothing to them. There's no substance to what they're talking about. And uh, are, they know that l m is...
3: I, I, I imagine I, that well, they will at some point, but I don't know if they're there yet. We have, I don't know if we've reached that point yet. You think we've reached a point where people are starting to realize that? Put it this way. Okay. I, here's a, here's, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me.
6: I, no, I, I just think that, that people who have a, have a mind of their own, let me put it that way, who, <laughs> who are not swayed by celebrities like LeBron James and other folks, Oprah Winfrey and, and people like that, who think for themselves, are saying, wait a minute. We can go to their website. We can read. We can see what they're about and know that they're nearly not about black
3: lives. Well, you always say I cut you off. You want the next segment? I'll say as long as you want me to. Stay with us, uh, Eric and Charles, uh, here on the Liberty Hour, back in a moment.
0: This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer.
3: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here on with eric wallace uh you want to tell us about your campaign i'm gonna get to my point about blm but give you a moment to talk about your campaign
6: (laughs) i'm running for state senate in the 40th district uh our uh, theme is rise for a new beginning we're actually using the rise principle Mm -hmm. Um, one of the reasons i'm doing this is because i you know i'm tired of seeing the corruption i'm i'm tired of of uh of the black community community which i live in always getting the short end of the stick we've had democrats run this area for decades decades and got nothing to show for it our schooling is terrible Uh, we got high taxes uh and we've got this corruption problem i call it corruption tax and even and and i even wrote a i wrote an op-ed not too long ago saying the disparities aren't uh, you know in illinois are because of racism it's because of corruption corruption is so bad you got to kiss michael madigan's ring in order to get a job in fact, even even the governor, there was a, there was an article out not too long ago saying the governor had to pick from uh, Michael Madigan's list of people uh, to choose for, for, for work for the governor to hire. So, uh, you know, if, if the governor has to go through Michael Madigan, you just think about the rest of us and just yeah, the government
5: work.
3: That is definitely an uphill battle. But back to BLM. You say, I hope uh-huh. you're right and I'm wrong, but you say you think people are starting to realize that there's no substance. Let me tell you. I definitely I, tell you really how bad it is. It, it, it can change. I know, but this is how bad it is. And I, I, maybe I'll ask you. You tell me from your own experiences. Maybe you, I, I, I think I noticed this and, and no one else does. Up until George Floyd's death, okay? So this is mm-hmm. pre-George, right? Before that happened. How many black people did you see walking around with BLM t-shirts and Black Lives Matter signs in their yard? None. Because I never saw one. Exactly.
4: Now they're everywhere.
3: Black Black Lives Matter has gotten so important that black people even focus on them now. They were a joke in the community before then. So hopefully you'll be right at some point, but the fact that black people walking all over the place with BLM crap on, I mean, it proves that we're not really there yet. They haven't... I don't think enough people woke up like you think they have. I wish I'm wrong, but the evidence doesn't really show that.
6: Well, I think, I think it... Well, clearly, you know, you got the NBA; they got it on their on the on the basketball court, and everybody in the NBA is wearing a shirt that says Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's Drew Brees
3: went from saying, "I will, will, I love this country," and I won't take a knee to putting a rapist's name on his helmet. And I know that, and yeah. I don't even watch sports. How about that? How about the fact that I know this and I don't <laughs> even watch sports? I wrote these people off two and a half years ago, but I still know that because they won't shut up.
6: Well, when you got Oprah Winfrey talking about it, you. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see uh, an article I sent you where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey. They were getting on Oprah because he was
3: talking about yeah, you
6: know, black lives matter. He's a billionaire and, and, white.
3: and yeah, white, right. white people who have white privilege. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I Just because I, I have a private it. jet and, and you live in a trailer park doesn't mean that you don't think you, I, hell, I think you're better than me. Because that's what it boils, That's what white supremacy boils down to. I think whites are superior. So Oprah thinks whites are better. That's an Oprah problem. That's not a USA problem. It's not a white person problem. It's not a black person. That's an Oprah problem. If LeBron is terrified, that's a LeBron problem. But he's so yeah, scared about a white yeah. people that he moves into an all-white neighborhood and he won't live amongst blacks, but he's scared of them. Right. I, I don't know about BLM. I'm hoping most people aren't dumb enough to believe what LeBron is saying.
6: Well, I don't know. Man. Close I, this
3: thing I, out. I, give me some. Give me some wisdom before I go. I'm mad now.
6: Well, See, one of the things that 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 uh, Emmanuel Ocho said. He said, if, if uh, he said, I firmly believe that if a white person is your problem, only white people can be your solution. That's victimology one hundred and one. We, yeah. we can't be believing that somehow white people are our problem. White people are not standing in the way of. I mean, Oprah Winfrey is one of those. I mean, she's a billionaire. Emmanuel show's a football player was. These mm-hmm. people don't know what they're talking about.
3: There you go. You just summed it up the best way. They don't know what they talk about. Thank you, Eric Wallace, Illinois State Senate <laughs> District 40, uh, Freedom's Journal Institute. Check him out. Appreciate you for coming. Uh, wow, we're down in the end. Thank you again, Macbeth. I made it to the end of the show. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. I
4: have to go home. I have to go home. I have to go home. I have to go home.